Welcome to Native Talk Arizona, presented by Native Health and KRDP 90.7 FM. Later in the show, we'll learn about Kitchen, an online cooking show with founder Mariah Gladstone. And we'll chat with Heather Tracy, co-founder of Native Art Market, the first Indigenous-owned shop in Old Town Scottsdale. But first, Lanasha Puati talks with Trini King about Shiprock Farmers Market, located in Shiprock, New Mexico. Trini King is the project director of Shiprock Farmers Market, located in Shiprock, New Mexico, at the Shiprock Bridge. Welcome to our show, Trini. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Trini King, and uh, like you said, I am the project director of Shiprock Farmers Market. But not only uh, am I the farmers market manager and everything else, uh, I also grow and you know do a lot of community outreach within our community and local grassroots organizations. But uh, my clans are Tachini Nishandal, but But I thank you for having me. And to get started, can you tell us what is the Shiprock Farmer's Market and how did it begin? First of all, people are wondering what a farmer's market is compared to a flea market. You know, whenever we go into our local towns, uh, whether it be Chinle, Tuba City, uh, Shiprock, our local towns have flea markets and uh, local market gatherings. Uh, Sometimes it's just right off the road. Sometimes you have to battle through a, a little mud a mud trail whenever it rains. Um, you know, just depending on where your flea market is, uh, that's where people usually gather to sell, you know, anything and basically everything. So what a farmer's market is, is completely uh, not, not as different, but more on the side of fresh fruits and vegetables. At a farmer's market, you will find farmers who are vendors and they, you know, everything is grown uh, local. What I mean by local is anywhere along the San Juan River. Uh, here in Shiprock, we are not too far from the borderline going into Farmington. And what I mean by borderline is uh, we have a local community there too, Hogback and Nananzad, uh, which is, you know, near the borderline of the reservation. In saying that, uh, we have a lot of people who farm, you know, along the river, and we want to make sure that, you know, we have open space for these farmers who want to farm and, you know, sell their produce. Um, a lot of farmers, you know, like to go on the roadside, and, you know, that that's that's really what happens here on the res, um, anywhere on the reservation, whether it's in New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, you know, we have farmers who are selling on the side getting what they can out of uh, their produce and their harvest. And at the farmer's market, what makes us unique is we not only bring fresh fruits and vegetables um, to the community, but it's more of a family, it's more of a family-oriented place where a lot of the farmers know the community members who are coming in even strangers who are driving through Shiprock, um, you know, whether it be near or far, uh, they, they feel like family as well, and they are welcomed uh, like family as well. And us being Diné, you know, we are that family-oriented um, kind of people. So, 
in saying that, you know, the farmer's market brings that and it also brings um, equity into the farmer's pocket. Uh, what I mean by equity is, number one, we take SNAP and EBT. So any cardholder in any state in the United States that has EBT or SNAP, they can use it there at the farmer's market. Um, we are actually advancing this year in 2022. We are going from paper uh, senior citizen checks into digital um, cards. And what I mean by that is the farmer's market takes uh, the New Mexico senior citizen farmer's market checks. And um, what I mean by that, uh, the New Mexico checks is it's also um, associated with the New Mexico WIC. So these, these card holders are able to use the card there. And most of the vendors and the farmers, of course, um, have been to a lot of the farmer's market trainings, what, which are provided to them uh, from, for free, um, you know, just getting them up to date about what's happening within, um, you know, just like I said, the digital update. So not only do we do WIC, uh, New Mexico Senior Citizens uh, Nutrition Checks, we also take on, um, I'm not too sure if uh, people are familiar with the Fresh Fruits and Vegetable Prescription Program. It's also called the SVRX. There's different type of programs all over, but with Shiprock, we specifically work with COPE, and COPE is, um, you know, it's, it's based out of Gallup and it's the community outreach and, you know, patient empowerment program. So with COPE, um, what they do is, you know, they pretty much uh, work with the local physicians in different uh, IHS clinics, uh, dietitian, nutritionalists. And what they do is uh, the, you know, the, the, the pediatricians, um, the doctors are able to, give out these vouchers to patients um, who would like to use it. Like, you know, for instance, like if you have arthritis, um, you know, you could use uh, cabbage. You can use cabbage because, you know, people grow cabbage all the time and sometimes they get sick of eating it, but, you know, you can actually use it as medicine as well. So, you know, wrapping cabbage, um, wet cabbage around your leg or wherever the inflammation is, that actually helps as well. So, you know, this all goes back to, you know, back to our traditional healing, uh, using plants, uh, you know, vegetables and vegetables good. So not only do we take the FVRX uh, vouchers from COPE, we also take um, the, EB, uh, of course I said EBT, but we take debit. We take debit cards and credit cards as well. And you know what? It comes down to straight old bar, um, trading as well. We, we barter. <laughs> Believe it or not, you know, there's a lot of um, that there's a lot of uh, elders who are farmers who like to barter. And, you know, that's just something that, you know, we honor as well, because, you know, a lot of the farmers um, have friends and they have customers who come out, you know, probably like four hour drives. I mean, from literally in the desert, um, we had somebody come all the way out from Cuba and, uh, you know, they had a busted radiator and the, the the grandson was really upset because he was like, you know, I have to take him out here, even though our radiator's busted. Um, you know, he has to come out here on Saturday and use his uh, senior citizen checks. And he's really excited because it was corn season. And so just, just saying that, you know, that's what the farmer's market, you know, brings to the community. And, you know, that is how 
we get the support from the local farmers as well. So it's just, you know, building that equity and building that relationship with farmers. Oh, wow, that is great. You really have a lot of resources out there for individuals to to use and go to the farmer's market. Um, how often are the farmer's market? Are they only on Saturdays? Well, it depends. Like right now, the Shiprock Farmer's Market is not open. Um, we have a lot of farmers who are planting, you know, late. Um, some haven't planted, some did plant. Unfortunately, um, those farmers who did plant early, you know, they were victims of the, the coal front that happened. So with the coal front happening, you know, it really brought back a lot of people from um, just planting in general. So just going back to that, um, the hours, you know, we decided to open the hours until July 30th. But the reason being is, you know, we have a lot of training. We have a lot of things going on for farmers. And like any farmer or grower, they know that there's no such thing as off season. You know, people always assume that because it's not growing season, uh, because it's cold outside or it's snowing, it's, you know, off season. It's really not. You know, farmers are preparing. Growers are preparing. You know, we're getting we're, we're getting ready for the next season. So in saying that, um, we have a lot of training that's happening that's offered to farmers and growers, you know, from a small scale to a large scale, uh, whatever it may be. We have food safety trainings that are happening um, through the local food hubs. Uh, when I say the local food hubs, I mean the San Juan College Harvest Hub and the Shiprock Food Hub, which is the sister of uh, the San Juan College Harvest Hub. So in saying that, you know, we want to make sure that we give the farmers time to start planting. Um, like right now, there's a lot of farmers who are not planting due to cost. I had a few vendors with the farmer's market who actually contacted me within the last two weeks saying that they will not be able to. I mean, number one, we have gas prices going up the yin-yang. Number two, we have, you know, produce, fresh produce that is, you know, the, the price is ridiculous, even down to food. So in saying that, you know, going back to going back to all to all of that, um, you know, we just want to make sure that we have we have the farmers support. But number one, that we that we are supporting the farmers with different resources, making sure that we work, you know, as a group, collaborating with other nonprofits, other grassroots organizations, uh, even up to corporations you know, just bringing this all back together just to make sure that everybody is getting back into farming and that we're doing it right and that we're doing it safely and that we're making sure that we're, we're understanding that farming is not just farming, it's a business, business, it's a family business. You know, we're relying on this and, you know, there, there's, like I said, there's not a lot of people farming. So in saying that we are attacking these different um, projects before the farmer's market opens in Shiprock, which opens July 30th, we are having plant distributions. Last Tuesday, we did a collaboration plant distribution, plant starters to be exact. And plant starters are usually like in these little soil four, six packs. And they're full of soil. And there's probably about a good four inches of a green, like a green plant stick, a stem that's coming out, maybe like two leaves, two to four leaves. And we, you know, we announced it, we gave out vegetables. Um, we had everything from melons, we had squash, 
different variety of uh, tomatoes. We had onions, different variety of onions, um, cauliflower, broccoli, different different varieties of green chili from hot to mild to jalapenos to uh, cayenne peppers to serrano peppers, you know, just a lot of different tomatoes. So we gave these out um, and it was a huge tray. Uh, each family member walked away with about 12, um, 12 different plant starters. So they walked away with that completely free um, just because we collaborated, like I said, with different uh, organizations. And I believe we served a little over 480 different families. So in saying that, we are slowly fighting hunger, you know, one distribution at a time. And speaking of that, we have another plant distribution coming up in the 14th, on the 14th. You know, just that happening and, you know, having seed distributions in between before the farmer's market starts is just preparation, supporting the farmer, making sure that we can help provide those seeds and one of the one of the huge um, seed seed resources that we have here in Shiprock is no longer available, and that was the New Dawn program, and they really provided the the community with uh, seeds, and uh, we 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 haven't had that in a while, so you know we just had a lot of you know literally local farmers, um, you know just different organizations donating seeds. Uh, what they have, and, you know, we had a really good outcome, and we also had the Navajo Nation Special Diabetes Project show up as well, and that was really nice of them. Uh, this is the second time that they've that they've actually helped us with the distribution uh, this year, so um, they keep on bringing their friends and their volunteers, and it's really, like I said, it's a community program that um, that is not just a community program, but a family program. So in saying that, we have our hours happening after the 30th. The July 30th is a Saturday. We are opening at 8 o'clock, and we close at 12 o'clock noon. And um, the difference with us, with uh, being a farmer's market, I know everybody's like, okay, why can't you stay stay open longer? Why can't you, you know, I, I understand that. But uh, we are under the New Mexico Farmer's Market Association, and therefore, there's different um, there's different um, obligations that you know there's different policies and you know regulations that we have to you know obtain to um, in order to have you know like our property uh, where where we are coned off at, which is at the Shiprock Chapter parking lot. If you go to Shiprock Chapter, it's right off of Highway 64. You'll see us right there. You can't miss us. You know, the farmer's market's going to have huge flags. We have these farmer's market flags. You cannot miss it. So with our farmer's market, um, it opening the 30th, um, you know, the, the, the reason why we have those restricted hours, we're only open from 8 to 12 is because we have insurance that protects us as a farmer's market. You know, if something were to happen, you know, God forbid, you know, the farmer's market is in good hands. And like I said, uh, we have these different or th these different programs uh, through the state of New Mexico, for example, SNAP, uh, th those different programs, and they can only be offered there at the farmer's market during those hours. So uh, we are not only open on Saturdays, we are open on Mondays, Mondays and Wednesdays from uh, noon, 12 o'clock, from 12 all the way to six o'clock in the evening. 
And we are going to be open all the way through um, October 29th, October 29th, Saturday. That's going to be our last day of the farmer's market. But we do have other farmer's markets around um, our area. Like we have the Kirtland Market. We have the um, Farmington Market. We have the Bloomfield Market. We have the Aztec Market. And we are all associated together in alliance. Uh, and together we are, we are the Northwest New Mexico Growers Alliance. And that is basically how the Shiprock Farmers Market is able to get um, banners and these wonderful, colorful um, advertisements of the farmers market, uh, hand washing station, um, you know, just these different these different items um, to help keep the farmers market operating and safe. So um, yeah, just just in saying that, um, those are our hours. But you can also look um, online to the New Mexico, the New Mexico Farmers Market Association, and it has a whole list of farmers markets all over, from here all the way to Roswell, Clovis, all over. Well, this was a lot of great information, Trini. Thank you for sharing that. Can you share with us what the address is? You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Just put in the, just put in Shiprock Farmers Market and bam, we're there. Uh, we have our contact information. Uh, we do have a hotline with the farmer's market, and um, that's provided there as well. We have an email as well. Uh, so if anybody you know ever wanted to get a hold of us, and like I said, we do a lot of collaborations with different programs and different projects, and uh, some of those projects don't have the, the ability to have a, a hotline, you know, a contact information. So um, uh, that's where we just uh, we give out our hotline number. And um, so that that's available there as well. Well, we'd like to thank you, Trini, for taking time out to talk to us today to tell us all about the great work that you guys are doing at the Shiprock Farmers Market. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for the invite. Coming up next, we'll learn about Indigi Kitchen with founder Mariah Gladstone. Support for KRDP 90.7 FM comes in part from Native Health, with two locations in Phoenix. At 4041 North Central Avenue, Building C, near the corner of Central Avenue and Indian School Road, and at 2423 West Dunlap Avenue. Native Health is also located in Mesa at 777 West Southern Avenue, near the corner of Southern and Extension Roads. Native Health provides primary medical, dental, behavioral health, WIC, and wellness services for the urban Native American community. For more information, call 602-279-5262 or visit our webpage at nativehealthphoenix.org. Native Talk Arizona returns after this song. You are listening to The It Girl by Ray Zaragoza. Just an act in the side 
second thought It's time you give them everything you got Welcome back to Native Talk Arizona, presented by Native Health and KRDB 90.7 FM. I'm host Lanasha Pawati. Mariah Gladstone is the founder of Indigi Kitchen, an online cooking show that gives viewers the important tools they need to find and prepare food in their own communities. Welcome to our show, Mariah. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey? thing. Um, so I am both Blackfeet and Cherokee, which means I have the privilege of having ancestors with, from a hunter-gatherer tradition as well as a farming and gardening tradition. I was raised in Montana on and near the Blackfeet Reservation where I live today, and I was really lucky that I grew up in a home that let me garden and experiment a lot with food, which meant that when I returned home after college, I really started to use those tools of experimentation and growing and finding my own food to teach others how to prepare our traditional foods, to combat this food uh, crises that we have within Indian country and to really take those tools to restore both access and excitement around our traditional food systems. Oh, wow, that is amazing. And can you tell us more about the Indigi Kitchen and what does the name mean? Indigi Kitchen is a combination of Indigenous, Digital, and Kitchen. It is an online teaching tool and resource for folks across Turtle Island to use to reconnect with information about traditional food systems. That means everything from classes on how to prepare traditional foods, how to leach acorns, how to field dress an animal, how to cook with the three sisters, how to prepare indigenous foods in an Instapot, whatever it may be, it is a resource for reconnecting with that information. And I believe that because so much of the work to dismantle our traditional food systems was really intentional by colonial governments, the work to reconnect with them has to be really intentional too. Oh, wow. That is amazing. And I know you had mentioned that um, many of your viewers are on Turtle Island. How and where do you distribute your online messages or cooking? I use social media as a millennial. So, of course, I put out videos on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. And then, of course, my website at indigikitchen.com, where I can really connect with folks wherever they're at and you know, just using their cell phones, they're able to access that information. Um, I'm really lucky that I know people that have found this information across uh, Canada and coast to coast in the United States, but also been really fortunate to connect with uh, Pacific Islanders and 
folks within Mexico and indigenous communities um, across the continent, which is really, really awesome and humbling for me. Oh, that is awesome. And I know you probably have um, did different kind of indigenous recipes on your program. Do you have a favorite indigenous food or favorite recipe? I love the versatility of squash. Um, Of course, squash is everything from zucchini to pumpkins to butternut squash. But one of my favorite recipes, because it was a comfort food that I grew up with, is um, bison and butternut squash lasagna, which is using bison burger to make a nice rich meat sauce. Of course, tomatoes are also a wonderful indigenous food. And then using butternut squash as the noodles in that recipe. So making that nice layers of rich bison sauce with butternut squash noodles and being able to have that guilt-free comfort food um, that also connects with, of course, both my, my Cherokee ancestors as well as my Blackfeet ancestors. Oh, wow, that is great. And I know you said that... Um, you do your videos on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and also your website. Do you experiment with different indigenous um, foods as well, maybe from different tribes? I definitely do. Right now, I'm in the process of recording a video about leaching acorns. And so um, I'm really fortunate to have connected with a friend, Sarah Calvosa, who operates Fry Bread Riot. And she's been walking me through the steps of leaching acorns and then how to cook with acorn flour and how to dehydrate the flour and all these processes. And I'm able to take that information and translate it into material that's really usable for other folks that may be living around oak trees and want to learn more about those foods. That's one example of many, but um, I'm also fortunate that um, I'm able to connect with elders that are interested in sharing their recipes, interview them, and then be able to prepare cooking videos of their traditional recipes using them speaking over that recording of the anonymous video preparation. And it gives an opportunity for them to create material that they can use to reteach their community members and to connect more with millennials and Zoomers that are these digital natives and of course, be able to have that information preserved and then shared in a 21st century way. And have you been recognized for your work you've been doing? I'm so fortunate and honored by the recognition that Indigi Kitchen has received. Um, I'm really fortunate right now to be a loose Indigenous Knowledge Fellow through the First Nations Development Institute as well as a MIT Solve Indigenous Communities Fellow, um, and then working right now with Running Strong for American Indian Youth, the program started by Billy Mills, to do some garden work up here in Blackfeet country. Um, Just a lot of really amazing programs that have contributed to the overall success of Indigi Kitchen, um, but also a continued recognition to the responsibility that I have to my community to keep sharing this work and a reminder that people are really excited about it and that it's making a difference in Indian country. Oh, yes, it definitely is. And like you said, is based, it is also preserving your culture and also the traditional foods that you are sharing through your show. Can you tell us, do you have any upcoming plans? 
Oh, so many things are happening. Um, I, I'm working on a children's cookbook um, in part because I was really lucky to learn how to cook when I was younger. And I think that even though we're so lucky that we have uh, more Indigenous cookbooks coming out from foods from many, many different nations, I really want to make something that's specifically geared towards young people. Um, also working on a couple different projects, uh, one with Montana No Kid Hungry to create a toolkit for food service directors to uh, incorporate more Indigenous foods into school lunch programs. And then I'm always teaching cooking classes. I get to travel to a lot of universities and do food demonstrations, speaking engagements, um, classes all around. I think I just secured a cooking demonstration in October in Tucson. So um, I think I'm going to be coming that way in the fall. So really excited. And of course, there's things happening all the time. I'm in the middle, actually pulled over doing this interview in my car because I'm in the middle of hauling soil to some garden beds for some elders to get some things planted and growing in this windy community on the Blackfeet Nation. So um, really exciting projects happening. I definitely stay busy, but I'm fortunate that this is the work that I get to do. Oh, that is great. And you are really benefiting the whole community overall. Um, what has surprised you the most during your community presentations? It surprises me to realize the number of people that are utilizing Kitchen as a resource because I don't yet realize the impact that I'm having um, and IndigiKitchen is having in its reach. But it's amazing when I have community presentations, especially in person, and people will tell me their favorite recipe from the site that they've tried. And if people are utilizing the recipes and you know they tell me how much their kids enjoy it, that is the best feeling because it means that that information is being used and it's accessible to people. And that's what's the most important thing. So it always surprises me to hear from people that are connecting with that information. I, I keep putting it out there, but sometimes, especially during COVID, it has been really hard to establish if it's being used or or just watched without um, people connecting with that information. So I love hearing from folks and being tagged in people's Instagram stories and um, getting reviews on the recipes and everything. And speaking of others' stories, um, I know you have connected with many different families just by them watching your cooking demos and learning a lot from you. Do you have a favorite success story? You know, I heard from a woman who actually submitted a recipe to Indigikitchen. Um, and you can go on to my website and hear her story. She submitted a mesquite blue cornbread recipe. But during the time that she was telling me about this recipe, she told me that she has actually changed her entire diet over and she avoids dairy and wheat flour and she predominantly eats indigenous foods now. And so she told me that she reversed her type two diabetes and her health just became so much better. All of her vital signs 
improved at her checkups with her doctors and she just told them she'd changed the way she was eating. Um, I talked to another elder up on the blood reserve that told me something very, very similar. And he said, you know, now I just try to eat the things that we can get on the land here. And I'm feeling so much better. I have so much energy. My body doesn't hurt all the time. And just connecting with these folks and hearing these stories, you know, it's, it's something to be able to look at statistics, but it's another thing entirely to hear those anecdotes and those, those actual stories of what changing and returning to indigenous food systems has done for people. Wow, that is amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Mariah. And um, I know you had mentioned that really your program with Indigi Kitchen is really going further than just sharing recipes. You even mentioned that you, um, how you fill dressed, fill dressed a deer. Can you tell us more about that? Um, well, I'm super excited. My partner, Kenneth Cook, has been working on editing a couple of longer form videos that are going to be um, up on the site soon. We actually have a whole field dressing and quartering video for a whole bison, um, oh, which wow. is super <laughs> exciting. Um, and then another video he's doing is actually about um, brain tanning and utilizing that whole animal because obviously, you know, we look at food systems and part of food systems is making sure that we're utilizing all of the resources um, and able to connect with that and really honor that animal's life too. And so that's the material that'll be coming out within the next month. Um, And of course, just trying to connect more with those other parts of knowledge besides cooking that go into food systems. So, you know, we're going to be doing some things on raised garden beds and sustainable polyculture planting like the three sisters, corn, beans, and squash and really getting that information out there as well. Because as I said, food systems are much, much broader than just what happens in the actual kitchen. Thank you for sharing that, Mariah. This was a lot of great information. You really are doing a great work for the community and it really is more than just recipes. But how can someone learn more about Indigi Kitchen and how can someone contact you? Well, thank you so much. I'm so honored to to hear that. People can, of course, reach out to me or find more information or recipes at indigikitchen.com, at Facebook at Indigikitchen, Instagram at Indigikitchen, or YouTube at Indigikitchen. We'll definitely be following you and keeping up with your upcoming events and looking forward to seeing you in Tucson soon. But I would like to thank you for taking time out to talk to us today, Mariah. Yeah, thank you so much. Up next, we'll chat with Heather Tracy, co-founder of Native Art Market. Support for KRDP 90.7 FM comes in part from Native Health, with two locations in Phoenix, 4041 North Central Avenue, Building C near the corner of Central Avenue and Indian School Road, and at 2423 West Dunlap Avenue. Native Health is also located in Mesa at 777 West Southern Avenue near the corner of Southern and Extension Roads. COVID-19 vaccinations, boosters, and testings are available at all locations. For more information, call 602-279-5262 or visit our webpage at nativehealthphoenix.org. Native Talk Arizona will return after this song. You are listening to The Red Road by Aragon Star.
Welcome back to Native Talk Arizona, presented by Native Health and KRDB 90.7 FM. I'm host Lanasha Puadi. Heather Tracy is the co-founder of Native Art Market, the first and only Indigenous-owned shop in Old Town Scottsdale. Welcome to our show, Heather. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We are happy to have you today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yes, I am Heather Tracy. Should I do my clans? Yes. Okay, I am Heather Tracy. I'm from the Navajo Nation, um, close to the south rim of the Grand Canyon. Oh, that is awesome. It's a pleasure to have you, Heather. And I am Twitchini Bashishin as well. Oh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so to get started, can you tell us what is the Native Art Market and how did it begin? Uh, Native Art Market actually started as an outdoor market by Talking Stick Casino or near Talking Stick Casino. Um, we started out just hosting Native artisans. Um, us ourselves have been selling Native jewelry pretty much my entire life with my family. So I grew up kind of in this industry. They call me a roadside baby because I was raised on the side of the road helping my grandma sell jewelry back by the Grand Canyon. Um, when we moved to Scottsdale, we didn't have a place to sell. We had joined the Scottsdale Art Walks but got kicked out for being um, Native American, selling Native American jewelry. Uh, so when that happened, um, it upset my family and we decided to open our own market that simply catered to the Native community here in the Scottsdale area. So we started that back in 2018, and when the pandemic hit, um, it totally just killed the entire industry, not just for my family, but for everybody that's involved. And so we had talked about opening up a brick and mortar or a shop for our family um, for the last 10 years. We actually had saved up for it over the course of 10 years. And when the pandemic hit, we pulled the trigger. We said, yes, this is what we're going to do. And the awesome thing about it is we had a project that we were already doing and decided that it wasn't just going to be a store for our family. It was going to be a store that was going to be for the entire Native community. And it's going amazing. Oh, yes. And um, it really is more than a market, as you mentioned. Can you tell us why is the Native market important to the community and how has it supported Native American artists? So the outdoor market, it's... Native artisans are able to set up and sell directly to the public. We put a lot of focus in marketing and the activities that we do there, such as the Native performances, so it brings in a lot of foot traffic for them. And um, when we open the brick and mortar, it's pretty much the exact same concept. Uh, artisans are able to put their items in the shop, and when they are purchased from a customer or a visitor, they actually receive direct deposits from that sale. 
And in the 18 months we've been open, we've sent over now a million dollars to Native families. And this is through the pandemic and the hardships because there are still a lot of events that aren't going on. Um, so we're happy to be a part of a solution <laughs> in a different way, too. Oh, wow. That is awesome. And as you mentioned, you guys do different um, performances and you also host different artists to come. And do you know how many different Native American artists you had come to your store? We have about 200 Native small businesses featured inside the shop. And we do workshops um, as well. So we have the cultural performances that happen every week. We pretty much have them five days a week. We have performers that come in and that gives them a platform and an opportunity to bring some income through their cultural performances and through their cultural demonstrations. And then the workshops we host, we've hosted probably about, I'd say 30 um, artisans since we opened. So we've had um, great silversmiths come in, such as Gilbert Begay, who actually could sit down and learn how to make a ring with. Um, Mabelin Gray is a potter who makes the most pretty pottery, and she came in and actually um, sat down. You can make a pot with her, choosing your colors, going through etchings with her. Um, one of my favorite workshops that I went to was the How to Make Fry Bread workshop. <laughs> um, and that was with Val's Fry Bread. So it's kind of cool to watch the people that weren't really involved or people have actually taken a concept such as Val's Fry Bread and expanded and just made it an entire livelihood for themselves. And I just think that's super awesome to give people, Native people, that opportunity to grow and expand and indulge in their culture. Oh, yes, definitely. And you guys are really supporting um, different Native American artists and entrepreneurs, just such as Val's Fry Bread. Can you tell us about your upcoming events and programming plans? Because I know you probably have very many coming up. Oh, yes. So we our outdoor market's closed for summer because it's too hot outside. So that will be reopening here in November. Um, right now, we're focusing more on tourism. So we've been um, hosting or attending different conferences to get people out to the outdoor market. I'm trying to think if we have any workshops coming up. We do have performances five days a week. So um, so this week, we have Moonti Sinqua. He's a three-time national world champion hoop dancer. Um, next week, we'll be having Cody Blackbird in, who is a five-time Native American Grammy winner. And yeah. And then um, you had mentioned the outdoor market, how it's going to be starting in November. Can you tell us more about the outdoor market? How is it um, different than the actual, your store? So the outdoor market, uh, you get to shop directly with artisans. And it's not just a once a year type of thing. It's an affordable place for Native Americans to sell their arts and crafts or promote their small businesses. And we host that event every weekend from November through March. So it's not just something, and it's affordable, so it gives them a platform where they can come every weekend if they wanted to. And it gets really good foot traffic. It's in a nice area, so um, that way people are usually really happy with the results from the event. Thank you for sharing that. And going back to your storefront, can you kind of give us a tour of your store, letting our listeners know what they can expect if they go to your store, if they haven't already, like what kind of crafts you guys have available, apparel, jewelry, um, artwork even? So I always encourage people before they come to the store to check our website because we do list out a different events that we do. 
um, whether you want to come for a flute player to kind of hang out with us because it's a fun experience. But when you come to the store, you can find anything from stickers, apparel, pottery, jewelry, of course. Um, we do host, especially during like graduation season, we'll have moccasins, sash belts available. Of course, grandma scarves. Everyone loves the grandma scarf. <laughs> but pretty much, I mean, we're open to whoever wants to be a part of the shop. And as long as it's indigenous made, um, we have holistic creams, Nijoni soaps, of course. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. That is awesome. And you had mentioned that you have some of these products on your website as well. Can you share with us what your website is? That is such a funny story. Our website is www.nativeartmarket.com. And we just hired a couple of people, a team to actually put products on the website. So we currently um, have 150 items online, but it's growing quickly. So give us a little bit of time and there should be tons more on there. Oh my goodness, that is something I'm going to look into and also everyone I'm pretty sure is going to look into that as well. Um, Tra- or Heather, what upcoming opportunities do you have for community members or programmers? Is there opportunities for other Native artisans that maybe have not worked with you yet? Absolutely. We have actually tons of space. We um, got a lot of painting, sold a lot of paintings, so if you have original paintings. We have space for that right now. Um, We're pretty much open. We built this from the ground up, just me, my mom, my sister, and my brother. So it's a very small group. And right now we're focusing on actually hiring and building a team that can help us grow and make us better. So, and we're completely open to suggestions. So if you have something you think you can bring to the table that would help us that we probably have no idea about, we are completely open and ready to grow and get a team together because that's our next step because we're exhausted. Can you tell us more um, if you could share the background of the artisans that you have worked with that came through your market or the outdoor market? Uh, Yeah, so one of my favorite mentions is going to be Najoni Soaps. She was a part of our first season of Native Art Market, and I think it was one of her first pop-ups she had done. Um, We offered her a free weekend to come out and see how it went. And after that weekend, she came every weekend after that. And she's amazing because her and her family have expanded into three different storefront locations. Um, Val, we didn't have a fry bread maker for one weekend. And she actually said, hey, I can make fry bread. So she followed through on her end and got the permits and set up her booth. And now she's a full-on food truck is really awesome. Uh, we have uh, people like Kevin Kwani, who is a Hopi artist who comes over and sells paintings and amazing um, Kachina sculptures. Um, goodness, Navajo Expressions is one of my favorites. She comes almost every weekend of our outdoor market. She's super supportive of what we're trying to do. Uh, she sells Navajo arts and crafts. She also hosts her own Zumba class back on the reservation to help increase fitness, which is super awesome. Yeah, there's just a ton. We have a list of over 400 Native American artisans and small businesses that we kind of work with. So the cool thing is, is the outdoor market's always changing. You're always going to be shopping with someone new and you get to enjoy fry bread, which, you know, everyone loves. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. You really do work with a lot of um, different Native artisans in the community and entrepreneurs like Val. Um, but Heather, can you let us know how can someone learn more about the Native Art Market and how can someone contact you if they have further questions? 
Um, you can visit our website, which has a lot of information. It's nativeartmarket.com. Of course, if you're looking to be like a vendor or um, an artist or host a workshop with us, which we're always open to, uh, you can always just go to our vending website, which is an extension of that. Um, you'll find it there. Uh, if you want, you can follow us on social media, which I always encourage people so that's where immediate updates are. Um, and our social media handle is at Native Art Market. And then if you aren't savvy with any of that, you can always call or text us at 707-733-6443. And we can help you out, answer any questions, because we're always happy, especially with new ideas. We're always really open to them. Well, I'd like to thank you, Heather, for taking time out to talk to us today to tell us about all of the great work you guys are doing at the Native Art Market. Yes, thank you guys so much. for. Um, it's an honor to actually get chosen to do an interview. We are super happy to help people expand, ask us some questions, because we are totally up for it. Oh, definitely. And it's a pleasure to speak to you, especially being here in our in our area in Scottsdale. Yay, yes. Thank you, Native Health. You guys are awesome, too. You do a lot. Thank you for listening to Native Talk Arizona, presented by Native Health and 90.7 FM KRDP. Our executive producer is Susan Levy. Sound engineer is Javier Quiroga. And our host is Lanasha Puadi. We hope you will tune in again next week. If you have any questions, please reach us at nativetalkaz at listen2krdp.com.